0: Hello, and welcome to PodRocket, a web development podcast brought to you by LogRocket. LogRocket helps software teams improve user experience with session replay, error tracking, and product analytics. You can try it for free at logrocket.com. I'm Noel, and today we have Christopher Chadeau joining us. He's known as Viju online, he's a front end manager at Meta done a ton of work on React Native and Prettier. He's done a bunch of work on Excalibur. He started the CS and JS movement and so much more. And he's here to talk about his latest talk, video editing in the browser. Welcome to the show, Christopher. Thank
1: you. Welcome. Welcome, everybody listening. And I'm super excited about being on this podcast and a super big fan of LogRocket.
0: Awesome. Awesome. Glad to hear that. I hope I got your handle. Was that pretty close?
1: Yeah, it was close. So in fact I said VEGEU, basically like video
0: games in reverse in French, but that's fine. Very cool. I spent a ton of the weekend delving into Diablo 4. So good. Ooh, nice. I'm, in, I'm in the video game headspace right now. It's It's been good. But let's talk about your talk. I guess before we do, do you mind giving us a bit of your background? You have quite the resume. So, yeah, my biggest thing is around like making the
1: experience better for people. And so I actually started like way back playing video games and like editing and working on video games. And so the way I learned how to program was playing Warcraft 3. There was a map editor where you could like build maps. And in mm-hmm. practice, the interesting thing is that there was a UI to be able to say like, hey, when the unit enter like this area, then make it move somewhere else. And this generated code. And so I started using the image editor and then I was able to then go into writing the actual language, programming language behind the scenes. This is like how I started. And, uh, yeah, you mentioned Diablo 4. So I played a lot of Diablo 2. And this is like how I started reverse engineering the game assets and everything. But yeah, I have a long journey there. And in practice, for video games, it's been like more for fun. But for work, I've been like using the same ideas around helping the user experience into like the front end space. And when React came out, I was like, oh my God, like this is the the best thing in the world. And so I helped really create a community around it and make sure, oh, it's super easy to set up and install and make people understand like what makes it React. And then I worked on React Native on Prettier, on CSS in JS, on Excalibur, like a bunch of things, always with the intention of how can we make people more effective, more efficient at our job.
0: Nice. I'm a huge fan of Excalibur as well. I use it just like for sharing personal notes online, like all kinds of stuff. We use it professionally here at LogRocket as well. It's awesome. Frame your talk a little bit for us, video editing in the browser. What does the talk focus on and explore?
1: So one of the things is as you, know, you can see, like with my resume, like I like to work on like really big ideas and mm-hmm. like big projects that are like going to be groundbreaking. And one of the things I've been trying to figure okay, after React, like what's after Excel, like what's next? And one of the things I've been doing during the pandemic is I've been watching a lot more videos because there's been no actual in-person conferences. And then I've been doing video editing. So I got a green screen in my house and I've started playing with all of the video editors. But one thing I was frustrated is it feels like being back 20 years ago when there was no AI whatsoever. For example, like I have a green screen and in order to remove the green from the green screen, I have to choose a color range.
0: Hmm. And
1: it actually always messes up with like, I have some shadows. I cannot get it out perfectly. And same right now when we're doing a podcast, and probably like when uh, you're going to edit the podcast, you're going to want to see, hey, what did I say? When did I say it? Right now, all I can see is like sound waves. Mm-hmm. And this is like not very useful. But oh, we actually have really good speech to text available nowadays. And so I would love to see like, hey, the text actually. And now I'm able to say, hey, this is when we did a cut number three and it finally like uh, went all the way. And so now, oh, I'm able to cut this and use only this segment. And like right now, we can actually use it inside of the editors. And this is where I was like, Excalibur, I was like, oh, maybe I can like actually build it myself.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: I found out that there was all of the APIs needed in the browser
0: to be able to do it. So I embarked in this journey to work on it. How does building a video editor online differ from something like Excalibur? What are the biggest problems you encountered?
1: One of the biggest thing was actually the APIs themselves. Mm -hmm. In practice, what you need to be able to do like a video editor is to take a video file and extract all of the images from the video and then Mm -hmm. be able to manipulate the video and then all of those images, put them back together in a video file. And right now, the APIs in the browser are like super low level and uh, to be able to extract all of these images and... There's also like only half of what you need is implemented in the browser, and half of this, of the rest, is left as an exercise for the reader. But like, there's no really good uh, implementation right now in JavaScript. And so far, I spent like a month basically trying to cobble everything together which Mm -hmm. I was able to do. And so my talk is all about things I've learned through the process that I wanted to share. And I wanted to share like a walking end to end version of decoding and reencoding. And with the hope that somebody is going to actually build the video editor that I set out to do in the first place.
0: When you started, did you expect to kind of have to get as low level as you did in this project? Or was that kind of unforeseen? No, I didn't expect any of this.
1: So like all of the blog posts saying, Hey, you can do like video editing and like all of the pieces that were needed in the browser. And yeah. I was expecting to like, oh, NPM install like something and just like wire it up together. It didn't work, and then I had to go like one level deeper and one level deeper and one level deeper. And so it's basically inception where like I kept going deeper and I didn't see the ends. And finally I've seen the end, so now I'm going back up. And I'm trying to get everybody else in the web community to actually do this journey with me again. But basically, like shortcuts, all of the like hard steps, so people can just start
0: at a higher level. What were some of the stuff that you had to implement that was trickier than you anticipated, or just more low level than you anticipated? So one of the things, for example, and the main
1: idea of the talk is the idea of what is image compression. Yeah. And what is video compression? And so one of the things is, in practice, the way this works is that if you don't have compression, then each image is basically 1.3 megabytes for like yeah. a just 1,000 by 1,000 image. And now if you extrapolate it to 60 frames per second, it's basically like one gigabyte per second of video. <laughs> and so this yeah. is not something you're going to load into the memory. It's going to like be out of memory like really soon. The whole image compression and video compression basically changed the way the file format is, and it uh, imposed constraints. And so one of the key things that people in the video compression space are doing is they realize that many images in the video, sequential images, look very similar to the previous one. And so what you can do is to start predicting what the next image is going to be based on the image before. And then uh, you can only store the delta between what was um, predicted and the actual image. Now storing this delta is like much smaller. And they do it both forward in time and also backward in time. So they try both and see which one is actually the smallest, and they use this one. Now, one thing that happened with the API is that now you need to not only be able to say, Hey, I want this image, just get it and decompress it. Now you need to be able to have a notion of dependencies. So if you mm-hmm. want this image, you also need the previous image and maybe the next image and all this dependency. So now mm-hmm. what it means is like the actual API for the image decompression is stateful. And so now it imposes a lot of like unnatural constraints where the API is basically you send in a bunch of compressed frames and then at some point in the future, you're going to get decompressed frames. but it's not one to one. And so now it basically like messes up all the way like we're naturally like used to actually write like software. so.
0: I imagine that wouldn't be so hard to work around if you're if one is just implementing a video player, right? Like then it's not difficult. But if you're in an editor where like there's like jumping around happening and like changes happening, you probably have to be a lot more coupled to those problems. Yeah.
1: And one other thing that's also interesting is uh, none of this is documented, and so it's, oh, I expected it to be having like it didn't, and uh, I didn't know if it was a user error. Did I mess up using the API? or if actually the api has a bug or if it's actually expected and this is only one example but there's like many more examples of things that i didn't know what was the like the issue and what was the issue
0: yeah, so I'm curious on a few points you mentioned there, just from a technical perspective. So are these different methods of video encoding? Again, I'm not like familiar with this realm at all, so some of no. these questions are probably pretty high level. Are they terms that like we know? Does all video encoding work this way, or does it depend on the file type or the codec used? So there's actually two different parts of the
1: video encoding pipeline. One is the codec. And so the codec is the thing that is actually doing all of the hard work of uh, doing the compression, doing the prediction, doing the delta, doing the encoding and all of this stuff. So this is so performance intensive that people have tried to optimize it. And right now, even uh, doing it in the CPU is not fast enough. And so every single laptop or computer that you have actually have hardware that is uh, dedicated to implementing the operation for the video encoding, like the pure encoding. And this is what the WebCodec API in the browser let us use. Nice. And so with this, we have the absolute highest performance possible. Now, the second part of this is, as I mentioned, like there's a list of dependencies and uh, how long the video like file is and those kind of things. And so this is called a video like file format. And the video file format is the one you mostly think about, MP4, or AVI, or MKV, those kind of things. And this is basically like a JSON, if you're thinking of like web thinking, it's like a Mm -hmm. JSON that defines like, hey, what are the dependencies? Where are like all of the binary files, frames, and those kind of things? And so the video, the file formats, this is called muxing and demuxing. And so this part is specific to each file format. And uh, in practice, there's no in-browser library to be able to do that. And so you either need to reimplement it in JavaScript. And so reading this JSON binary file format JSON and uh, like sending the frames to the codec, or you can actually like, transpile existing C or C++ libraries mm. that are doing this into JavaScript or like WebAssembly.
0: Mm-hmm. And then
1: you can use it from JavaScript. But uh, all of this right now, there's no like, oh, there's already a very solid library to be able to do all of this. Right. And so I had to figure all of this uh, myself. And the other thing is debugging is really annoying because you're actually debugging on bytes yep. like data. <laughs> and uh, also like all of the video players they tend to be very robust against the exceptions or like their error handling is like they're trying their best and if it doesn't work it they silently fail So this is like the worst you can have like when trying to manipulate this is, oh, you don't have like syntax error at this line on this thing. Mm -hmm. You're just going to like silently drop something. Right. And now, for example, I had an issue where the time of the video was 10 times longer than like the actual video I had, Mm -hmm. but the playback was working well and everything was working well, except like the scrubbing went way farther in the future. And now, how do I even start to debugging this? Mm-hmm. And so I basically compared like a video that worked line by line, byte by bytes, and that's somehow, oh, this is different. So let me try to make it the same and see if it changes anything. And then I found the issue, but this is very laborious and error prone.
0: When you were going through this, because these libraries were swallowing all these exceptions and just failing gracefully, as it were, yeah. did you ever have to go reach out to people, find people who are working on these things and get assistance to debug these problems?
1: So I was able to get in touch with somebody, Dale Curtis, working on the Web Codec inside of the browser. So I'm lucky to like be known enough that I can have this kind yeah. of relationship. And I also had somebody that worked on FFmpeg that was able to ask questions cool. and bounce around. I'm lucky to be able to do that, and they were like very helpful and helped me get unblocked. But mm-hmm. uh, this is not like a sustainable in the long term. So I'm really hoping with this talk and basically like spreading the word, like, hey, we can do it. So right. please get started and get uh, like using it so the whole space can be better.
0: Hey, just taking a quick pause here to read an ad for LogRocket. LogRocket offers session replay, issue tracking, and product analytics to help you quickly surface and solve impactful issues affecting your user experience. With LogRocket, you can find and solve issues faster, improve conversion and adoption, and spend more time building a better product. You can try it for free at logrocket.com. Why do you think it is that this space hasn't been explored more. Video feels so fundamental to the web anymore, right? I would guess that people spending time online, some percentage between like 20 and 50% of network traffic on the internet is video data. Why is this such a kind of unexplored space for the smaller players and independent developers and stuff? I think there's two reasons. I
1: think one is like the pure performance aspect of this is that before we had WebAssembly, like we only had JavaScript VM. And this is way, way, way too slow to be able to run any kind of video workload around this. And even with WebAssembly, as I mentioned, to get acceptable performance in terms of nowadays hardware, Mm -hmm. like you need hardware-accelerated pieces. So right now, people have done FFmpeg translate to Wasm. but it's very slow and like slow to the point like you cannot actually use it in any production workload. I think this is the biggest one. And the second one is there's actually uh, workaround solutions. And so what most people are doing is uh, they're actually running FFmpeg in the backend and exposing FFmpeg APIs to like a REST endpoint or something. Mm-hmm. So you can have the same. It's actually running the code like in native C so you don't have to do any of the hardwiring. One of the challenge with this is now you need to have all of the videos uploaded to the clouds in order to be able to manipulate them. And uh, this may be personally specific, but currently at home, my connection is really good for the downloads, but mm-hmm. my upload rate is like really bad. So whenever right. I'm doing video editing, it would take hours to upload like a normal size video. So I have to go to work in order to actually get uh, infinite upload, This is why I'm personally like frustrated by all of the video editing tools that are not uh, in the browser that are not like doing it locally is right. because uh, it's basically unusable for me because I don't have the upload uh, bandwidth. Right,
0: I bet that is, that's pretty common anecdotally everywhere I've been, most people I talk to, yeah, they've got 10x download compared to their upload speed. And just yeah, when I've explored this space, I felt the same. I think that makes sense too cuz image editors we've seen those really come online as it were in the mm-hmm. past 5 to 10 years and they're like we're really rocking now. But yeah, I think that's probably a good insight is just there's technical limitations how it works and then like it's hard to upload what I want people to get out of is now we have all of the APIs that are actually fast in the browser.
1: So now it's the right time. And also, I think it's the right time because there's such an explosion of video creators. There's a whole economy with Reels, TikTok, YouTube, all of this. And I've been talking to many people in that space. And they're all semi-frustrated by like, the technology that exists. And uh, from the, like, all of the Adobe Premiere and all of the core video, mm-hmm. I'm not seeing move as fast to get into the, like, the bandwagon. So right. I think that's like, really a good inflection point While investing in this now is going to like, yield like, some massive benefits. What were the recent API changes in the
0: browser that made this possible?
1: So for this, the web codec is the like biggest thing that makes it possible, which is mm-hmm. able to talk natively. But the very interesting thing about the web codec is right now we are having it for like videos. But in order to get it for videos, we first need it for images. And then we also need it for sound. And so those have been done in the past many years. In order to be able to work with image and sound, we needed to be able to have some kind of binary container in the web and work with it and gotcha. so there's the um, the array buffer have been introduced like 10 years ago and then uh, there's a whole like web assembly thing that is manipulating binary data so you can allocate memory and kind of things I've been also like pushing for this so mm-hmm. What we're seeing is this is basically the pinnacle of all of this work is now able to do it. And Web Workers has also been like a big help in this space. So mm-hmm. I would say like without all of those steps, we would not have been able to come up with a video use case. Now that they are all here, I think we're able to do it. Oh, and one more thing around this is uh, all of the shaders. Mm-hmm. So like for video editing, you want to walk around images and transformation. And so now we have like shaders and like the web GPU with AI is also like getting in traction. So I see a really bright future for all of this and everything coming together.
0: For technical people who are interested in getting into this space and starting to explore, how do you recommend they start doing it? Like where should they start looking?
1: So I created a repo to be able to re-encode the H.264 like video. So I would recommend taking this and then start building a video editor on top or start like building some cool stuff on top. And then they're going to, at some point, maybe want to use a different file format. Right now, it only supports MP4. Oh, and no. maybe they're going to want to do support MKV. And now, oh, they need to start finding MKV, muxer, demuxer, or like re-implement one themselves. My recommendation for this is always try to build something. It's not like in India's like, oh, build something with it and see if it works or if it doesn't.
0: I feel like that's often... The best way to learn especially in the dev space when trial and error is very cheap so like go try no. to make something see if it works do you think at some point we'll settle on a more de facto set of tools for devs that want to be in this space to help them get started rolling? so it's not quite so much diy work
1: yeah, and this is actually like the end of my talk is I want somebody to write the jQuery of video editing in
0: the browser. Oh, gotcha.
1: So I want to like, yeah, somebody like build like a library so simple to use and is going to like abstract away all of those pesky like file format and codec and everything details. Mm-hmm. So you can just like start using it. Is there anything else on this journey or in your talk that you wanted to tell devs to give a look at? One of the things that's going to be interesting around this, as it's not part of the talk, but I think is relevant to log rockets, mm. is how do we actually put this into production? Because now we're talking about massive video files and probably like big errors and those kind of things. I think there's going to be a very interesting space around like how do you do... Error handling for these kind of yeah. things, and for right. videos. Oh, can you get a reference for the video in the cloud, or can you? One of the other things that we are thinking about is uh, if you have uh, like editors that, like, you have uh, somebody on YouTube or like Twitch streaming, and then there's somebody editing the like, compressed version. You don't want to send the full quality to the editors. Hmm. Uh, you probably want to send them like a low quality. And they do all of the edits and mm-hmm. then they send you like the edit file. Yeah, like the, another like diff of some kind, right? Now you can actually do the full like, video compression using the high quality version. And so this is like these kind of things around logs and around defining what is the schema of the scene and uh, being able to like pass this around, I think is going to be like very uh, important and uh, something to
0: explore. There's a whole interesting set of problems it feels like in there that we haven't really had to solve. I feel audio maybe has some of these problems with the collaborative real-time editors and stuff that yeah. people are working on. But yeah, I think that there probably is a lot there for those kinds of workflows that where you want to be able to do things quickly on the fly, but you only really care about like the quality of the finished product. And like in the interim, you can have just like, I just needed to do this little tweak to this part yeah. or put encode subtitles like into the stream in real time or something like that. And yeah, I'm sure there's all kinds of cool stuff. This has been super thought provoking Christopher. Thank you. Cool. I hope people are going to be excited about getting into the video editing space in the
1: browser. Thank you so much.
0: Yeah, of course. And we will have a link to that. Get everybody mentioned and uh, yeah, and stuff in the show notes so people can check it out. Thank you again so much. It's been a pleasure. Thank you.